0: Pastor Doug here from Crossroads. It's great to be with you. I hope that today's message will draw you closer to Jesus. We're talking about Love Comes to Town, and it's this new series that we're talking and working our way through. Because over and over throughout Scripture, uh, we see Jesus bringing love to town, and we want to know what that looks like. What does it look like for you and I to bring love into our relationships, uh, into our households, into our places of work, into our schools, into our church, into our culture? And there's a lot of questions that love is the answer to. Uh, we could say, you know, what does the world never have enough of? Uh, what does it seem like is so often lacking in too many of our relationships? What did Jesus say was the... Greatest commandment. What did Jesus say would be the identifier or mark of people who choose to follow him, to be his disciples, to be his followers? What's that new commandment that Jesus gives his disciples, his followers? And love is the answer again and again and again to all of those questions. And we understand that we're supposed to live out Jesus' love and live in his love. But sometimes it's just like, what does that look like? Practically speaking, how do we pull that off? How do we live that out in the day by day? Uh, Jesus was one time giving an analogy, uh, painting a word picture to his followers' disciples. And he described himself as the vine. And you and I as the branches. And then his father, our heavenly father, as the gardener. And he said, whenever we get disconnected from the vine, we're basically good for nothing. And then just he goes down after that analogy and he says, but this is how. This is how you stay connected. This is how you're worth something. This is what you need to know. And in John, we, he says like this, this is my commandment. Love each other in the same way I have loved you. And then just a few verses later, because, man, repetition is so key, because, when we don't get it. The disciples didn't get it. It has to be said over and over again. He says, this is my command. Love each other. And this isn't the first time that his followers, that his disciples heard these words. I mean, they had been doing life with Jesus. They had heard radical teachings, Uh, Saying things like nobody else said. Love your enemies. I mean, how do you pull that off? How do you love somebody uh, who treats you poorly? Somebody who wants ill will for you. How do you love someone who votes differently than you? Or thinks and acts differently than you? And Jesus comes back again and again to this commandment of love, and he repeats it over and over, points to the heavenly father and his love for a broken world, a love that is so great that he would send his one and only son. And this isn't the first time that the disciples have heard about this command. As a matter of fact, you go back just two chapters, go back to John 13, and Jesus says, so now I am giving you a new commandment Love each other just as I have loved you. You should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. And Jesus takes love, and he makes it foundational to the heart of our heavenly Father. He makes it central to being a follower, a disciple of Jesus Christ. He takes love and he makes it the marker identifier of all who choose to go in his way and follow him. This command's new because it's saying, you know, I want you to live out love the way that I've talked about it, modeled it, and taught it. But I want you to live this out, out of my love, out of our love for Jesus. Jesus. And basically whatever Jesus did, we're supposed to do and what Jesus modeled and taught, we're supposed to live out. But we can't do it on our own strength. We do it out of a love relationship with Jesus. But it doesn't stop there. Not only does Jesus talk about love over and over and over throughout his teaching and his time here on earth, the New Testament writers pick that up. And all scattered throughout the New Testament are these different teachings on the importance, the foundation of love. And sometimes we find love in the oddest places. The Apostle Paul, when he is addressing a church that is beginning to lose its way, uh, a church uh, that he planted, that he was a key part of, there was just some infighting going on. Uh, They were getting all caught up in different spiritual gifts and what gift was better than another and who was superior and who should have higher ranking or first right. And one of the ways that he talks to them and deals with this problem and course corrects them is he brings them back to the love of Jesus. Love is a foundation. Now all too often this passage that we're about to work our way through is relegated to wedding ceremonies. It's the chapter of love. And sometimes we miss out because we think, oh, this is just such a beautiful, poetic piece on love. Obviously, it's meant for romantic relationships, but that's not what it was created for. It was created and written to a church in conflict. Some Jesus followers who weren't being known as being all that loving. A church that was losing its way, losing its purpose, losing its focus. And in 1 Corinthians 13, the Apostle Paul writes these words. If I could speak all the languages of earth and of angels, but didn't love others, I would only be a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. Paul's like, you're so caught up in the wrong stuff. You're caught up in like spiritual gifts and ranking and better and order and superior, but you're missing it because you're missing love. It's missing in your life. So you're just making a bunch of noise. Your words that you're speaking, man, they don't mean anything. You're so missing it. You can have all the spiritual gifts. But if you don't have love, you're missing the mark. You can have so much knowledge. You can speak of all the languages, all the dialects of earth and of heaven. But if you don't have love, you're just making a noise. Mm -hmm. Good for nothing. Hollow. Reveration. Just scattering noise. Pushing noise people away. And Jesus says, as a follower of him, when love is lacking, something's missing, something is off, something is just not right. Do you know anyone like that? When you meet a Jesus follower, but they don't really seem all that loving. It doesn't seem like love would identify or be a defining mark of their life. When you meet someone like that, there's a word that probably should immediately come to mind. The word that most often would be used would be the word hypocrite. To be someone who says, I'm a Jesus follower. I I know all this stuff, but I don't have love. It just doesn't line up. It would make you a hypocrite. If you're looking for a term from today you could call them like you could say well he or she's a real gong show right they're just missing it they're making a bunch of noise but doing no real good this past week barna put out uh, a a new survey and part of it they said this this is something that we're experiencing as a nation 52 percent of u.s adults and teens have experienced religious doubts in the past few years and i want to be clear that's not a bad thing. Disciples who walked with Jesus, did life and ministry with Jesus, didn't see Jesus do miracle after miracle, still had their doubts, still had their questions, still had things they had to wrestle through. That is not a bad thing. As a matter of fact, church, your small group, should be safe places to wrestle with questions of doubt to wrestle with questions of faith. Doubting isn't disturbing. Doubting isn't anything new. Wrestling with questions of faith isn't anything new. The disturbing part of this survey is not the what, but the why. Because then the survey wanted to ask, well, why? Why do you doubt? Why do you question faith? And it ranked all these different things. And here's the disturbing part. Top two things. Past religious experiences and hypocrisy are the top causes for doubt. That should be heartbreaking, right? I mean, there are things that will make us question and wonder, things that we need to wrestle with. Suffering, conflict, health crisis, unanswered questions or prayers that are answered in ways that we didn't want them to be, world disasters, not fully understanding the ways of God. Those are all things that can make us question and wonder, things we need to sort and work our way through. But the top thing should never be this, past religious experiences and hypocrisy. Shouldn't be the top reasons for doubt. Because here's what you can pretty much assume for the vast majority of these experiences. Someone encountered a church that was not all that loving. Someone encountered a Jesus follower who was not all that loving. Someone who was missing the marker, a church that had lost its way, lost the foundation, the central component of living out Jesus' love. And Paul continues to repair a broken church by pointing them back to love. And in verse 2, he goes on and says this. If I had the gift of prophecy and if I understood all of God's secret plans and possessed all knowledge, and if I had such faith that I could move mountains but didn't love others, I would be nothing Paul started with the premise man you can have all the words speak all the languages all the spiritual gifts and you're just making a noise when you don't have love and now he says man you can have all of this knowledge man you've studied and you've memorized scripture but you didn't love others you're good for nothing You're able to prophesy about the future, but you have no love. You're good for nothing. You have faith, and it is so huge. You could move mountains with your faith, but you didn't love others. You're good for nothing. And that can be hard for us to grasp, right? How how possibly could I have faith to move mountains? They'd be good for nothing. How possibly could I have like all this memorized and understanding of Scripture and this gift of teaching and preaching, but I'm good for nothing because I didn't really live out of Jesus' love? It's hard to wrap our brain around those things. Think about it like this just an imaginary scenario. Let's imagine that on the way into heaven, the other side of eternity, God stops and he asks you a few questions. Do you think there are going to be questions like this? Hey, hey, Doug, tell me about like, all the things you accomplished. Doug, I want to hear about all the things you acquired in life. Doug, I, I want to know about all of your achievements. Just Let's just list all of those things out. Are those going to be the kind of questions? Or will they be more questions like this? Doug? How'd you do with loving me with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength? Doug, how did you do in loving others as yourself? We understand that the importance, the foundation of living out this life of love. I think it would be helpful if we could clarify the love that we're talking about throughout this series. Because the word that Paul is using over and over here and the word that Jesus used for love, it's, it's not that romantic, sexual love. It, it is that word agape that we have again and again throughout Scripture. In our society, the way that we often define love, uh, the way that we sh- shows up in our culture, our advertising, our media, you know, that's all more romantic. It's erotic. Uh, it is lust. It is attractional. Oh, we'll even use terms like, hey, that person's my lover, or we're going to make love. And that's not the type of love that is being talked about here. It is that word agape. And we have many English words for the, we have one. English word for the word love, but there are many Greek words. And the Greek word that used over and over again is agape. And it connotes a deep, abiding, self-sacrificing love, the kind that looks out for the other person first. I'll say that same thing just a little bit differently. It's a pure, willful, sacrificial love that intentionally desires another's highest good. This Jesus love, this agape love. It's a love of choice, not out of attraction or obligation. It's the love that Jesus and Paul and other scripture writers say is so foundational at being a follower of Jesus. And our culture gets it all messed up, right? Culture looks at love as being more lust, being more self-focused. Lust is Selfish. But God's love is directed outwards towards one another. It is unselfish. B.B. Burchin and G.R. Osborne, commenting on this passage, describe it like this They say this kind of love, this agape love, goes against natural inclinations. It is possible to practice this love only if God helps us set aside our own desires and instincts so that we can give love while expecting nothing in return. The more we become like Christ, the more love will show to others. And, And don't miss this. Growing in love is part of the discipleship process. Growing in love is part of spiritual maturity. The more that you just spend time with Jesus, being in Jesus, walking with Jesus... easier it is to put away the selfish and push that all to the side and have this agape-centered love, self-sacrificing love for one another. And it's nothing that we can pull off on our own strength. We we can fake it for a while, but we will never make it long-term if you're trying to live out this kind of a love on your own strength. If you're trying to live out Jesus' commands, To love one another, you will fail if you're only trying to do it on your own strength. It's a love that comes out of being in relationship with Jesus, walking with him, empowered by the Holy Spirit to live out what he has called us to live out. I want to give you some practical ways uh, that you can live this out. Because you might be wondering, well, you know, how's this going to go? Here's some practical ways that you could pull off probably today, if not this week. Just some very straightforward ways to show love to the world around you. One thing is this, you could show empathy. You wanna listen to others without judgment. Try to understand their perspective. In other words, don't think about, you know, their situation from your perspective. Try to get in their shoes. Imagine what they're going through. Just show that amount of empathy in your conversations and dealing with other people. Here's another way is just to express Gratitude. There is someone in your life that you could express gratitude to today. Just a straightforward act of love. Tell them what you appreciate and why you appreciate it, what it means to you. Here's a third practical way to express love. Just practice kindness. Do something nice for someone without expecting anything in return, right? That's the hard part. First part, do something nice for someone. Oh, but I, I'm going to give you a back rub, but I expect nothing in return, Denise, right? That's, that's tough, right? Expect nothing in return. Just be kind to someone else. Express Jesus' love in that fashion. Here's another practical way. Be present. Okay, th- This is tough, right, for some. Be present. Let me just say it like this. Turn off the screen. Put down the phone be present turn off the screen put down the phone be present enjoy a meal together with your loved ones no electronic devices just be present when a friend engages or starts talking to you just be present another practical way is to offer support be there for someone during a difficult time Offer help whenever it's needed. It might be inconvenient. It might not be part of your plan. Just offer support to someone in need. But Paul isn't done. Paul isn't done talking about the importance, the foundation of love. And in verse three, he comes back and he says this. He says, if I gave everything I have to the poor and even sacrificed my body, I could boast about it But if I didn't love others, I would have gained nothing. And Paul is just giving us the correct order of things, right? Love first. Love first. Spiritual gifts are great, knowledge is great. Helping the poor is so in line with being a Jesus follower. Giving up or giving your life is incredible but they're all secondary. It's love first. Love is an action. Love is a way of life. The famous black preacher, Dr. E.V. Hill, tells a story about when he was receiving death threats on a regular basis. He took them somewhat seriously. His wife took them incredibly seriously. And death threat after death threat after death threat Uh, One morning, he woke up, uh, and his wife was gone. He goes outside, and his car is gone. And he's wondering, what on earth is going on here that both my wife and my car are gone? I don't understand that. And just as he's processing, just trying to think through what he should do, how he should respond, up pulls his wife in his car. And he's like, what are you doing? Where would you go? Why are you in my car? She's like, with the amount of death threats that you are receiving, I think your life is so much more valuable to this community than mine is. So if this car is going to blow up, it's going to blow up on me, not on you. And he finishes the story, and Dr. Hill says this, I always thought that my wife loved me, but now I understand what love was all about. It's a self-sacrificial love, thinking of the other person first and their needs first before our own. And Jesus commands us to love. And Paul points a church in crisis over and over and over back to this foundation of love. 1 Corinthians 14, he says it like this, let love be your highest goal. A few chapters later, he says it like this, and do everything with love. What would it look like, Crossroads? What would it look like for us to take Jesus and Paul's words seriously? to let love be our highest goal to everything that we do. Man, the, the way that we serve our community, we do it with love. The way that we host outside events at our church, we do it with love. Every single ministry that we have is just saturated with love. The way that we worship our Heavenly Father is all done with love. And it doesn't stay in here. It doesn't stay within the confines of this wall. What does it look like for you to take God's love, Jesus' love, just take it into your everyday life, into your household, and into your place of work, and into your school, into your relationships with the people that are incredibly easy to love and like, and for those that just rub you like sandpaper, that are incredibly difficult to like and to love. What does it look like to bring God's love to town? So we're going for the next five weeks. It's what we're exploring throughout the series. On your connection card, whether you're online or in person, it's just a starting point. It's just a foundation for where we're going. It reads like this. I want to partner with God in bringing his love to town. I'm looking for ways to show love to a world that seems increasingly cold and disconnected. A world that so desperately needs love. A loving Heavenly Father, Lord and Savior who commands us to love one another, to live out His love. Let's see what that looks like in the coming weeks. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your command to love. And oftentimes, when we just admit it, we, we miss the mark. We get caught up in all the other things. They're beautiful. They're wonderful things, but they're secondary. They're not primary. So thanks for bringing us back to love as our foundation, showing us some really real and practical ways to live that out and our relationships, and our community, and our household, and our church, and in the broader world. Mm -hmm. Holy Spirit, may you equip and strengthen us to live a life of love. In a world that doesn't always seem that loving, in a world where people just want to be told to attack one another, To live out that selfless love. To put others first. Expecting nothing in return. On our own strength, we will stumble, we will fall, we will fail again and again and again. So Jesus, we live the life that you have called us to live. We live in your love and we live out of your love. Use our love, to bring life and truth into a world that sometimes is incredibly dark. May people know us by our love for one another, and may that point them again and again to our Lord and Savior, our Heavenly Father. We commit this, we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks again for listening. Any step you take towards Jesus is a step in the right direction. You can find out more about us at CRBIC.org. org. That's crbic dot